The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And we're back here at Analyze This, some programming notes for Channel 12 tonight, the PBS News Hour. Kicks it off at 7 p.m. at 8 p.m. Forever Wild. Explore an environmental and de democratic triumph in the historic town of Telluride, Colorado. Wow, forever right ago. Watch that. And Nature at 9 p.m. Uh, follow along a Madagascan chameleon and a Scottish water vole travel to secure their bloodlines. They are bringing out the same dance dance in me, uh, Governor. Use with all these big words, right? And then Nova, <coughs> Nova at 10 p.m. Uh, watch as Atsi, a 5,000-year-old mummy, is brought to life and preserved with 3D modeling and then Secrets of the Dead takes us from 11 to midnight to investigate exactly where Hannibal and his troops crossed the Alps to attack Rome. Then, of course, you know, at midnight, I'm important company, which used to be 11 p.m., but time, time. turned back. So, you know what that is, right? Now, um, so, PBS News Hour at 7, Forever Wild at 8, Nature at 9, Nova at 10, Secrets of the Dead at 11, I'm important coming at midnight. Governor, you see this beautiful young lady on the cover? Yes, yeah, she is beautiful. That man back there, that's, what, that, that, that's his daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, my engineer, yeah. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, his daughter, Jade, made the cover. She's the princess. Yeah. Ricardo Richards, right? Ricardo Richards, right? Good. One more thing. I mentioned saying Dunstan's. Um, <clears throat> one of them tell me uh, a shout out from Fenukin. I'm oh valley listening boy. from Florida. <laughs> Go, uh, Governor Brown. That was my so, classmate. So our, 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 our St. Dunstan's brethren listening. So shout out. So you had Mark. I had Scott, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you had Mark. That's great. Uh, he's a proud of you also. Thanks a lot. So Joey, good, look, good looking out there with, with, all, with all that stuff. Governor, let me just take off your governor hat mm -hmm. and look at, at the Virgin Islands. Um, where are mm -hmm. we in terms of um, coming out of the pandemic? Or at least what it was. We're now in endemic window, or whatever, whatever Mick window we there. You know, uh, where are we as to where we need to be by 2030, 2035? Uh, you know, when when we write the the, the state of the union, um, the state of the territory address, we always come with a team. Right this year, as we resolute, and you know, we went back and forth on this. You know, the team are we all. Uh, like that, uh, you know, I, I didn't like resolute so much. And I was like, what we feeling is the pains of progress. And what, what, what is that is inflation, lack of enough labor, heap of bureaucracy and not having enough people to get stuff through, not being able to, you know, work together in a way to understand that the times have changed. You know, I was driving through tongue last night thinking, you know, even our procurement process, right? We're using the same procurement process from 40, 50 years ago. That's all we got procurement background. Yeah. 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 So it's like, you know, like times have changed so much. It's like for projects less than, I was saying, even a half a million dollars, you just need to get three bids. This whole Senate, three, three price quotes, sending out a bid and everything. We need to be able to be flexible enough to negotiate with people and say, listen, like, how much to pay in here? $6,000. Nah, we're only paying $1,500. God, we have enough money to do that. And going forward, I, I, I am really afraid because 
Virgin Islanders build more homes and own more properties during downtimes than uptimes. I'm going to say it again. Yeah, say it again so I can process it there. Virgin Islanders build more homes and and retain and own more property mm-hmm. during recessions, not periods of boom. Oh. Anytime we have a period of boom, everything goes through the roof. People come down from the states. They take advantage because it's cheap to them because they live in, high, in economies where maybe it's more expensive to get the level of things we want. Mm-hmm. This ain't growing for a million dollars. You live in walking distance to the beach. Five bedroom. I see. I saw a, a house in, in Judas Fancy. Four beds, five baths, a half acre of land, less than a quarter mile from the beach. Less than eight a mile from the beach. One, one million dollars. I, I don't even think it was a million. I think it was like 945. You, you did some work in that. You, you had a window in the housing authority, right? Yes, I did. Are really able to tell me one thing? Uh, one of the um, the feds come here and he went down by Mali Project. And he, he turned to Ireland and said, these people complain about living, living in these beachfront condos? <laughs> I, know you, I know you started laughing when I mentioned Mali because he said, yo, these people, I don't know if they really know how good they have it based on the location. Now, the actual facility and the property is a whole different thing, but right next to the beach. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, like, especially St. Croix, uh, you know, when you look at the, the level of, of, of it is, but for... For somebody here to take on a mortgage, number one, we we risk averse and we debt averse, mm-hmm. and so we don't want to take on a mortgage. How I gonna pay that? Suppose I lose my job. So it's two different worlds in the territory, you know. Two different. Because at the same time, I said they don't have a problem with taking on risk. Over here, we're not with that. Well, I mean, when you look up, you think about. We don't think about it like this, right? Like how we think of ourselves. I I, I had dinner with a gentleman last night, right? Like how you think of yourself. He said, Governor, he says, in the history of the United States, there has never been a governor with as much money as you. Per capita. Period to spend. No mm-hmm. no black governor has ever had $12 billion of federal spending. $8 billion. I didn't think about it at the time, and I was like, wow. Now, when you look up in St. Thomas, and you look up on the hill, you know half of them people is millionaires, right? Mm-hmm. Because all them houses on the hill worth more than a million dollars. All these, all them houses where you see with like the three, four apartments and, you know, the, the stilts going up from here to nowhere, all them houses are worth over a million dollars. And you don't think about wealth like that when you come here. When you go to, when, in St. Croix, you go, you go Judith Fancy, you go Shoys, you go, go Queen's Quarter. Them, them houses, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars, and a lot of them houses belong to local people, you know. So when we think about ourselves and the wealth that we have here, it's incredible. No, but looking forward, how are we going to address our energy crisis, and, and specifically true diversification to allow for that cost to be reined in? Let me tell you something. I am a blessed child of God, I to say, but. We have our challenges. There is so much money in the energy space. You know, I, I was thinking about, you You know, the old time Senate. You had the privilege of working with a lot of the old heads mm-hmm. in the legislature. And, you know, you had some senators <coughs> like 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 Dow and like Roosevelt and, you know, Celestino, and even um, David Jones. Uh, uh, what he had name of God? Lewis Hill. Mm-hmm. Them dudes that see that kind of money, they just be like, but just spend the money because you keep the economy going, it's going to come back. 
you know, we, we, we the, the Virgin Islands the government ain't really borrow no money in like 10, 20 years. We went to the bond market and refinanced the debt we already had. Specific purpose for, to, to help the GRS. Right, but yeah. like we're, we're, we're at least $600 million less in debt now than when I took office. Wow. Right? With, and, and our economy... Long-term debt you're talking. Long-term debt. Yeah. Our economy has has um, collected a billion dollars in general fund revenue in one year. So all the indicators are telling you, you, you you're doing well. What's killing you is cash. Cash to kill. And the energy cost and is, the, and is the reason for that. So you have... So like, the investment, I, let's talk about... The, inv- the true investment, because I got I do a power hour here every month, and yo Kyle Fleming, all he doing is talking about grants this, grants that, and we're getting favorable um, results with respect to what we apply for. Um, uh, so you just mentioned it, you confirmed it there. Uh, the energy window that we're in right now. How do we invest, and how do we get people to buy into this investment so that everybody could play a part in the cost reduc- the cost of energy. Well, you reduction know, in the cost. Even of if let's let me let me tell you this here. Even if even if we got hundred million dollars solar for all grants we apply for, we already got sixty four million on another week. Even if none of that money is applied, when VI Electron finished these five solar fields, mm-hmm. right, we're gonna be getting power from them at like ten cents a kilowatt hour, and then WAPA, like you know, I I said it in the thing, but. We got nine megawatts of battery storage being installed with a ward solar. So remember in the time when we, remember when we had to run a 25 megawatt generator? That's like what, 20, 20%, 25% of the total amount? About that, right? Yeah. We run a 25 megawatt generator. So we run in two, that's 50 megs, right? But the load is only 35 tonight. Mm-hmm. You can't turn off the other 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the hedging time were teaching me that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you're burning current yeah. that you really don't yeah. need. Now, if we had a situation like that, <clears throat> all of that power is charging them batteries. So tonight, you could turn off the you could turn off a generator and light run on the batteries. So you, you, you number one, you're more efficient because you're wasting more energy. When a power trip or any generator trip click, the battery kick on, just like when you have a computer uh, plugged into an uninterrupted power supply. So it smooths it out too. And then these generators are only like, I think they're like nine megs each. So it's like, I forget now, it's probably like six or seven of them we have. So you could turn them on in sequence and in series and get them off and on running. And I mean, it's just so much efficiency there. Mm-hmm. But between the solar, the wind, once that happens, right, then the biggest thing is what I'm working on now is WAPA's overall debt. So, well, quickly before we, we get we get to that, one topic that came up um, in the most recent Power Hour, which was Friday the 13th, I think it was. Was it the 8th? The 12th. It was Friday the 12th. O-Tech, right? John Abramson was listening, and you know he was the second energy office director we had. Frank, Prince, right. Frank Prince was number one, That's right? And he... And so I got him into the conversation. One of our better, we always have great power hours, but that one was really good. We actually made a commitment to OTEC, and apparently the facility was supposed to be over there by Salt River. This, this is, is back, the ocean this, technology. Ocean technology, right. This is back in the I had Kyle explain geothermal, and then, and then uh, 
John came in and That's said, smart, G- brother. G- 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 yeah, man, yeah, Geothermal. Carl 2.0. <laughs> yes, sir, Geo- <laughs> Geothermal is about heat. Uh, O-Tech is about uh, ocean technology, right? You know what John said, which was painful? He said, it's the same WAPA from 20, 30 years ago that was saying, why change the terrain? Right. Not realizing you got to invest now because things become obsolete Absolutely. overnight. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So you mentioned uh, solar, wind, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, wind. O-Tech is something as well, but we got to invest and then we got to stick to the plan, Governor. You see what I I, re- I was reading a paper this morning we're talking about uh, Sandra Satori talking about more people coming off the grid and making it more expensive for individuals. That That is, what is making it more expensive for the individual is having to run all of those generators and the WAPA overhead debt. So right now, WAPA has good debt because the interest rates, the prime is what, eight and a half? Mm-hmm. So and they, they, and they say it ain't looking to raise. And their debt is yeah, around yeah. four, five, six. So, you know, people are paying more for money than WAPA paying for money. And and that's a good thing. But when you look at what's happening in Puerto Rico and the president is really committed to fixing the power problem over there, we benefiting from that. <clears throat> because every time he give them money, he look over and he says, let me get them some money too. So we like we have like WAPA has like four, five hundred million in debt. I doubt it's even that. I think it's like more like three, four. And then they have a line of credit for like $60 million. We don't need to realign that debt, but we need to re, uh, refinance it in a way. Not now, as interest rates get lower, and just pitch it out. So you, you, you got 20, you, you had a $100,000 mortgage, right? It's been 20 years now, you got, so you only owe 50000 Mm-hmm. But your payment is the same as 20 years ago. You're still paying a thousand dollars a month. So if you take the fifty thousand and you finance it out 30 years, right? You're gonna be paying five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Your payment goes down, and that's what we gotta do. It's kind of like kick the can down the road for the debt. Well, extend it it's like a, it's like a, a football contract, right. right? Where you you sign a quarterback at five years, two hundred and fifty million, right. right? And then you got dead cap space. After like uh, when the third year the contract comes in, so at that point you go back to the quarterback and say, "Yo, let me renegotiate this again so we could extend out the amount of space you're taking up for the total cost uh, of for me to run the run, run the run the football team for that year." But that is progressive financing, but right. But, so we got to teach that know, to the public. You just make me smile because you have a wealth of information and experience. The current legislature never read the the, the refinancing of the debt for the GRS. Was the only bond the venture, the, the only bond experience in, they really went through. There's a very young legislature. Marvin Blinden is the, the, the senator with see, most. See, he, 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 Novell and, and Kenny. Yeah, they're the senior. Fifth years. <laughs> when your senior senators is only got nine years in and in their 10th year now, it speaks to how young your body is. Yeah, so what, what you're saying is that you don't have the type of financial experience. That, that senators who had sit there for a long time have seen. So we really have been operating in a very, in a hand-to-mouth, check-to-check, build a house out of your pocket, cash situation. When governments don't operate like that, governments seek debt. They try to build a bond rate and they borrow money to do things. We haven't had to do that because we have money for the schools and money for the hospital, money for the roads. We've been getting good cash in. But, but, Providence says, while you have the available credit, you borrow the money 
and you do the things that need to do, get you to the next thing, keep your economy flowing. And this, this is part of, of I got to give him credit, Carl Knight is like, you know, what he say, when, when we have these discussions, Carl is saying to me, we have to put a government in a, in a natural position of finance so that when, the, when succession comes, when the next governor comes, they have the ability to do that. Yes, because yeah. it always going to be and, and, I, and I'm glad they went back. I want to explain it to the public, right? When we say taking on debt, don't interpret it as, well, that means my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, we borrow money on their back. No. What, what, what you do, right, it requires some discipline as well. In other words, if you are obligated to pay $50 million to satisfy a particular uh, uh, loan, right, over or mortgage, whatever it is, over a 15-year period, and in year six, you have the ability to do something, right, which requires more borrowing, but it's going to reduce your annual obligation, you got to do two things. You, 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 you take the risk, and then you invest along you invest along the same and time so that like in year 14 you can walk up to the bank and say i ready to buy out myself now. And, and here's a rub right we have been borrowing for operational costs for decades mm-hmm. we're not borrowing really to do operation we're borrowing to facilitate capital projects because all these things are going on so if you get a line of credit no no think about this the budget is $1.2, $1.3 billion. Including federal. Having a, a line of credit of $50 million is Peanut, like... Peanuts. It's like having... A, it's like you make $100,000 and you get a credit card for $50. That makes sense? We don't do it a credit card for $50. So it's not even... Relatively speaking, though. You've got to let the public know. Yeah, relatively it, it, speaking. It, yeah. So it's not, even, it's not even a play to say... And it's trust, you know. It's not even a play to say, this is something that... Is so exorbitant. This is just a normal part of how governments do business. And what we have to do is we have to look forward and start to try to line up things so that we don't get into a situation where I have a hundred million dollars cash file. We don't have operational costs. You know what we're saying is combination for a race. Yeah. Right? You go to you go you can't just buy beef today and eat leave it alone. Do everything. Right? And, but but reinvesting governor is really, really the key, which we're gonna come to in the next segment that we're gonna talk this next segment, our recovery. To let us know where we at. Explain to the public. It was eight bill, it's now twelve and it could be up to fifteen when you put in the money for the for the uh, water system the, the, so the, the sewer system and all that stuff. So we'll take a break, come back, uh, talk with the governor some more so you could break down the state of the territory, not the address, the state of the territory. Be back right after this. A new year deserves a fresh start. The Bank of St. Croix provides in-person service, personal and business checking accounts, online banking, and mobile apps for banking on the go a non-profit community investment checking account, and a 24-hour banking cash management platform. There are two locations, one in Gallus Bay and one in Peter's Rest. The Bank of St. Croix has something for everyone. Contact a customer service specialist for details regarding our non-profit community investment checking account. Member FDIC. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where we're not just interested in what's going on in the world, but why it's happening and how. 
details are important. So are different points of view. We're dedicated to bringing you the stories behind the big events and the small ones, too. Join us every Sunday morning for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. News happens all week, all around the world. If you want to understand what this French election is all about... Four candidates are running unopposed, and three of them met reporters Thursday. Whatever the outcome of today's elections, the secessionist genie is out of the bottle. News, analysis, perspective, music, books, and sports, too. Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nabaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. And we're back. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my fault. All right? We're back. We got the governor here uh, in the studio. We're talking about the state and the territory governor. I wanted to know that uh, um, early on, right, I think it was um, Vern Hodge. You mentioned him, yeah. right? Things are not too hot. I took the picture uh, uh, at the parade. I don't know if you saw it. At the, you saw it, at the, you saw it at, uh, on the, the steel band with the um, Rising Stars? Yeah. They, they, they got a banner there. Yeah. It, nothing is too hard that hard work can't, right? Can't, can't can't address, but he mentioned something. It was him, or maybe Tapi Malloy, early on, right? Where we like to talk about our gross domestic product, and he said, as one of them said, what we really need to focus on is our gross territorial happiness, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which means that we need people working, and uh, we need. Uh, reinvestment so that people could feel confident and feel good about living in the Virgin Islands, which brings me to the recovery. Let me, let me go back to January 2019, when the government is now yours. The baton is passed, passed on. $8 billion, was, $8 billion was the number then. And then uh, what has happened since then to get us to where we are at 12 and potentially 15. So let, I, let, let me tell you when let, I, let we do that foundation first before we start to get technical. We're not, we're not, you know, I never believed MAP had 88 billion dollars, you know, I was buffing out, I was like, he ain't $8 billion. So when the reality of it came in, none of us, none of us understood, and most of us in the community don't understand why $8 billion is. And it was a trial by fire. And the first part of it is, you know, you know, God's so good to me, right? It's like Adrian, you gotta understand, Adrian was in labor and she did the private industry council where she worked with workforce. Then she went to Talking about Adrian Williams Acklin, yeah, director of oh, the uh, Office of Disaster Recovery. Then she went to housing where she dealt with Section Eight, right? She left housing and went to Housing Finance Authority where she dealt with private investment, development, uh, mixed income developments, yeah. home ownership became the, the, the executive director there, left there and went to FEMA 
and dealt with recovery. Adrian with a head recovery uh, person or edema for the territory. And then she went to ODR. Mm-hmm. So this is a person who, like, I blessed her because now she was experiencing everything. And her running that department, she had such good relationships with FEMA. First, we had to level size it. You get, get your paperwork for trade, what's working, what's not, who's in charge, where do we go, how do we map out our plan. Then we had to get people paid. People forget, no, we had $600 million of housing. Remember all them houses? We, you know, people talk about Envision, but there was like 4,000 house roofs, house roofs that were repaired. So the big issue in 2019, if I remember it, was getting contractors paid. Exactly. So it took us, and then like a year, two years during COVID to, number one, get, get everything straight, get a payment process through because... We had $8 billion, but FEMA is reimbursable. How do, how do we get $100 million to pay you so we could get $100 million, $90 million back? And then she, she's the one that went and negotiated the pay on invoice. So now it's not really, it's kind of reimbursable, but as soon as we give them the invoice, they pay. So the first part was just, and during COVID, level setting and getting everything right and then negotiating all these fixed cost offers. I mean... You, your hospital is done. FEMA has a process where they say, you negotiate. What is the maximum amount of money I'm going to give you for this hospital? Mm-hmm. So when we hear us say, you know, they, we think we got $800 million in, in damage. We go to FEMA and they say, well, we think you got six. No, we got eight. We go back and forth and then they say, okay, we agree on eight. Then they obligate. They say, okay, you have eight, $800 million to build this hospital. That's a long process. What made it more difficult was the Bipartisan Budget Act. You know, Stacey went to Congress and with Jennifer Lopez, the mm-hmm. same Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Delegate Plaskett, by the way. Delegate Plaskett. You don't want people beating up on you for using right there. Delegate Plaskett. I mean, all these people, you know, anyway. yeah, I know. Delegate Plaskett went yeah. and they got it to said that if the if the building was or it was more than 50% damage, FEMA had to replace the whole thing. Never been done in history before. We had to go back and negotiate that. What does that mean? What are the rules around oh, that? All okay. of that stuff had to go. Mm-hmm. What are the standards? And the resident commission of Puerto Rico had to do the same thing they for Puerto Rico? The yeah. same. They were over well, there, you know. So there were a lot of, there's a lot of administrative win, window work that took place that, do you think that's that's legit as to why recovery hasn't moved forward at the pace that you would want it to move forward? Yeah, but but, but the reality is, is we... Not just you. We as a territory, we would want it to we, be. We, yeah, we, we wanted to move fast, but the reality is... Katrina still open 20, 20, wow. 20 years yes, later. 2005, you're right. We got Carla on the line. Um, good morning, Carla. How are you? Good morning, Carla. You're I don't know. So don't the, know. Maybe, the, maybe answer them. The so recovery. Is it, uh, Carla is still there? I guess not. The yeah. recovery, while we yes, think it's back, yeah. atypical, it is typical. I mean, and then you, you're looking at someplace like New Orleans that is connected by rain, train, I mean, train, railway, highways, airlines, shipping. They, they, they could drive to get more resources. We can't. And, and it's, yeah. it's New Orleans is a city in a state. There are, there are 100 other cities and towns in, in, in Louisiana. So getting this done in this is, is, is really incredible. I mean, when you talk to somebody who's seen these disasters, they say it's incredible where we are now. Designing. 
all of these things takes forever. That's why we came up with this USVI rebuild. So Adrian has really, and her team, she's got an incredible group of young people working for her. Every time I go in there, I just be like, so proud of our young people. We, we got we got a caller online. Good morning, caller. How are you? Question for the governor. Good morning, Governor. It's Lori from Solitude. Hi, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> I know this voice. Good morning. Good morning. I'm still trying to find out when our road's going to get paved after 25 years. We've been waiting a while, Governor. And you made a campaign promise. I'm hoping you're going to I never to made it. a campaign <laughs> promise. <laughs> I know people keep saying that, Lori. Actually, actually, that's not true, Governor. You told me within six months that road would get paved. No, that's no, no. The road to go out east end, and it is paved from all the way out to almost to Kramer's Park, all the way to the reef. So I can tell you, I very honestly, as a, a, a politician, the amount of rules that we have in the Virgin Islands that is major traffic, way in priority in front what, of what, our, what, our road. Which, which road are you speaking about specifically, Larry? This is Solitude. It's directly across from Ziggy. Going, Governor, I'm sorry. I, I'm being respectful here, but you did promise me that that road Going up paid. the road. This is, this is, when you say Solitude, you mean from Coakley Bay heading east to where the no, president? No, no, sir. No, sir. I'm sorry. Up I'm sorry. It looks like a private you. road across from where the gas it's, station it's is. Not, oh, oh, oh. Going up that road. Oh, to go, to go into Pleasant Valley. Yeah, to go into it's, Pleasant it's, Valley. But it's not a private road, sir. It, it is a public road, and yeah. you can promise me it would Well, I could tell you publicly I, I, that's not a priority. I got a roads that people traversing over every single day, hundreds of thousands of people traversing that need to be fixed before. We fix one road up East End. Up to Pleasant Valley, and if we get the, if we get the money to do it, if we didn't have to pay Whopper, we'd happily do it. But I can tell you, frankly, that's not the priority right now. And and Governor, I I'm, I appreciate the situation you're in. I know what money is like, and I get all of that. But it is a case of I've now spent twelve hundred dollars in less than a year on my car because of the damage that that road has caused, and I get that part of the price I pay for where I live. But I don't think having decent roads in the territory is an unrealistic expectation of your electorate. I don't think that's too much to ask, truly. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a legitimate a legitimate perspective. Thank you very much, Lori. We, we, we appreciate that. And I'll ask a question to the governor. Governor, maybe you could speak to this. Maybe you could speak to this territory-wide, right? Infrastructure is really a, the most important thing. That's the way we communicate. You know, people don't you know that. And what's the process for paving roads? Normally, we had people would call senators. They call me and said, Neville, blah, blah, blah. Senator Sanders, we're good at this, right? This particular road need to pave. But then there's a public works dynamic. There's identifying funds dynamic. There's a, a contractor dynamic. The, I, explain this to the public. We, so they will get a feel for what we're dealing a, with. It's a million dollars a mile. We get over 720 um, miles of road in Virgin Islands. You know the conversation I want to have with the public? Like, we haven't raised taxes on anything in the five years I've been governor. And we can't raise right? taxes because the cost of energy, that, that, that's the reason why the Waste Management Authority, since its creation no, in no, 2003, no. 2004, you, it would be unfair to the public given what we got to pay for energy. You, 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 you saying that, but the reality is, is I just told you everything went up 20%, mm -hmm. right? So... Instead of costing us a million dollars a mile, it now costing us 1.2 million a mile, right? Yes. The government isn't raising taxes. So if the public wants the roads paved, let's walk out no, all the roads. I'm disagreeing with your principle. Let me finish. No, but I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I just want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, you're disagreeing yeah, with yeah. We work out what, what it is going to cost, just like any other place does, and say, 
it's going to cost us $200 million to pave all the roads we need to pave. Mm-hmm. Miss Solid, Miss uh, Lori Road up mm-hmm. in Solitude, mm-hmm. all the other little private roads. When I say private, where you know these are roads where regular citizens going like Santa Line and the highway. These are roads. Heavy traffic you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, these are roads that service our community, but really we don't have the money to do it. And we say just, it's two hundred million, right? We then pass a resolution. We put it on the in, on the on the ballot, just like everybody does, and says. Here's a resolution <laughs> to charge everybody 2% tax on their income every year for the next five years to finance all this road paving. That will lose miserably. And, and, but, but you can't want better and not want to pay because there's no money to pave local roads. The, the, we have $5 million that we take from the, the uh, highway. Transportation trust fund. Yes, the yeah. transportation trust fund. Five million dollars is is peanuts. That's yeah. that's money to patch. It cost us. No, but no, but it, you're right, Governor. I, I'm not denying that. No, no, there, no. no I there, there, there has to be some level of taxation to generate revenue to pay for projects. That's a factual thing. But here's the example that I use with the waste management authority. Right, we created a waste management authority. What was the goal back then? Wasn't it to get people to pay for the service? That's right. Right. And as senators back then, we knew, right that it was economically a hardship. It was political death. If you're asking, I'm just being very candid now looking, looking backwards, asking John and Jane Q Public to pay for waste management services at a time when we were in an energy crisis. Remember, the, the most famous, infamous acronym in the history of the Virgins will always be LIAC, right. right? And here's the story. We're 20 years into this thing, and it's still holding us back because it would be political suicide and economic hardship. So we got to fix that problem but and the, then incorporate what you're suggesting, which is the taxation. Yeah, because, I mean, you put it to the people. Like, you, you can't, you, you're living in a house, you're paying the same rent for the last 40 years, and you want to know why your shutter is falling apart, why the system need to clean out, the pumping working good. It's like you're paying the same amount of taxes. So let's say the, the entire Virgin Islands pays about $1.6 billion a year in wages, uh-huh. right? 2% would be $32 million a year, uh-huh. right? $32 million for 10 years could float a bond for $200 million. And we take that money and we say, we list the roads. We put down a list of the roads and we say, these are the roads that are going to be paved and repaired due to this, this bond issuing. And then for 10 years, we pay the 2%, and then we stop. And in principle, that's ex- excellent math and financing. I just telling you, from a political <laughs> standpoint, the public's level up. That's why public confidence is actually the most valuable thing. Because if they believed that we could get a job done, they support that. But, but, but they don't believe. But you know, it's like everything And our energy crisis mash us up, man. And our money gone. Everything in the Virgin Islands, like, we fix it. And people, we've exactly trained the public to believe that we going to figure it out. Like, the leadership will figure it out. To Washington will figure it out. Nobody really is forced to pay. We have this sin tax, right? Oh, oh. Forget that. <laughs> With this sin tax money that was supposed to pay the 8%. Wow. Right? Well, we got to be done for that, there. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The legislature could take the sin tax and say, listen, we're going to take the sin tax and we're going to just pave road with it. So I call this tight taxes, right? And I th- I believe in it. Like, 
your public are always saying, oh, well, you know, to do this and you do that. They just say, here's another example, right? The government wasting the money, the government ain't using the money. But then the government, they'll go out and they're supporting, public will support the U.S. steel, the steel workers want me to pay, like, not me, the Virgin Islands people, to pay, like, 15% hazard pay to, to, to employees that have hazardous duty. Like how, you, 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 if you're a nurse, you're exposed to viruses and everything all the time. Mm -hmm. you, how are you going to pay you a hazard duty on top of the pay? You get paid a salary, but once you start this hazard duty... The base salary is supposed to be commensurate with what you provide. Everybody's in hazard. That's not a debt. And everybody's going to say, pay the teachers more money. Okay, well, we're going to have to... In order for us to pay the teachers more money. Because I just want to take a second to explain to people. Federal money is very prescriptive, right? You can only use it for what they say you could use it for. So we got money to build new schools, not repair schools. Build new schools, not school maintenance. Repair the schools that were damaged from hurricane stuff. Build a hospital. Do undergrounding. Repair of some roads that we digging up due to the undergrounding we have to do. But we don't have any money other than general fund for behavioral health. We, have, we spend millions of dollars every year in care for people that their families don't have any money to care for them. You, that's the state, state, That's the stateside care state you're talking side, about. Six, seven, I think it's up to like 10, 15 million a year we pay, right? We pay money for people who go to the hospital who don't have health insurance, don't qualify for Medicaid or Medicare. We pay for that. We pay to maintain all the roads in the territory. There's not enough money for that. The hospital is behind on the light bulb because they don't have enough money to pay for that. So, 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 so then let me ask this question. Like, Sh shouldn't we take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where the president of the United States loves the Virgin Islands yeah. governor? And I mean, you know, I thought about that, but, you know, the, the, the president, and, I, and, I, and I, you don't really think about it. I think about it because I'm a politician. The president of the United States doesn't have a pot of cash that he could go, I could pay for that. Yeah, well, that's like, why that's why you use the other insular possessions, though. Make, yeah. it, make, make it a territorial thing. <laughs> but he don't. Include he Guam, American Samoa, CNMI, a sensitivity, a high level of sensitivity to our insular possessions because you mentioned it earlier, we're all detached. We're not part of a grid. But even with that, right, mm -hmm. he still need to act of Congress. They they're soft with us, man. They, 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 they come here to have honeymoons and vacation. They like us, man. There's a problem, though. Yeah. Nothing gets done in Congress because the Republicans <laughs> oh, and the oh, Democrats oh, oh, are fighting. Oh, oh, oh. We're going to talk politics in the last yeah, segment yeah, yeah. and education. Quickly, uh, you're going uh, to uh, restate the amount of money set aside for the three schools, right? We have three schools? Yeah. Right? Three new schools and all that stuff. We'll be back right after this with the governor. Very candid conversation this morning. Human beings have been making music for tens of thousands of years. It brings us together. It has the power to communicate emotions and ideas. It's a profound part of the human experience. Hear the stories behind the music you love and new music you might fall in love with. I'm Raina Duras. Join me for in-depth interviews with artists who are continuing that musical history on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. 
on WTJX FM 93.1. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nawaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX TV, Channel 12. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big <laughs> cowboy hat on. He looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPO. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. Wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's on point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And we're back having a very straightforward conversation with the governor this morning. Um, day and a half removed from giving the sixth territory address. We got Colin in the lane, but before we go to the caller, governor, quickly, three new schools are what we're looking at right now. Are we looking? $850 million. Just for the three schools? Yeah, yeah. Wow, governor, 850 That's it's 850, uh, $850. But I include Arthur Richards to $850 million. So it's four schools then? Right? Yeah. The system done now in the $210,000 per school, man. I remember, was it 17, 18 years ago, a school with 30, 40 mil, man? Yeah. Wow. No. I mean, these are extraordinary schools. I mean, the Art Richards K-8 have a pool. And, you know, I mean, these places look... Like Country Day? You still got a pool back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes Country Day looks like a day camp for poor kids. Wow, wow. Good morning, Carla. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about the discussion about roads and such, and I'm very curious why the governor is floating an income tax when actually vehicles are what use our roads and an excise tax on the value of the vehicles, which would include the big trucks, which do most of the damage, and maybe an increase in the fuel tax would help to fund exactly what we're talking about, the roads. I mean, it could work, too. I mean, I just I, I just recommended one thing. You know, we have a fuel tax, and what we did is the legislature, maybe like six years ago, seven years ago, split the fuel tax, and half of that goes to WAPA mm-hmm. um, to fund um, the generator project that they were doing. But even that 14 cents uh, a gallon that we pay, you know, that that's, that's nominal. I mean, when I said the income tax is the easiest thing and the most even thing because everybody who gets a check contributes. If you do light bill, everybody doesn't pay the light bill. A lot of lines with what a college just said. We got a text message. It said time for time for a sales tax for online online off island businesses purchase business purchases. What you know, about that? Why not an excise tax on the value of the vehicles? The big trucks would have to pay more. They tear the roads up more. Right. Everybody with a vehicle would be paying a tax 
and it's going basically that's an income tax if you have a nice eighty thousand dollar vehicle you're mm-hmm. going to pay more in excise tax and the fuel tax should certainly be i mean that's the lowest in the in the country right Sir, I I I I thank you thank you very much for your suggestion, Carla. Thank you. Thanks You're a lot. Welcome. Thank you. You I, got it. The other thing, I 100 percent agree with him is like we should raise the excise tax on larger vehicles because now we want people to use electric vehicles. So you you make that for free, and then the tires, the parts, everything for any vehicle that's a four wheel drive, uh, gas guzzler, more than a certain tonnage. You make them pay more. But that's good policy that drives what we want. We want people to drive smaller vehicles. We want them to use the photovoltaic correct, PV vehicles. Correct, correct. But that takes the legislature. Yeah, but and people, you know, like, you know, that that's a big fight. Because, I mean, and to the, I'm not saying... That's why you don't need lame duck legislation <laughs> sometimes, <girl. laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, you know, since you mentioned excise tax, you wrote a letter to the Interior Department in 2000 about... The billions of dollars they owe the people of the Virgin Islands for our rum, not rum, um, petroleum products manufactured into the territory beginning in '66 through 2012, and you stated in that in that, uh, and you know, at a tease, Rocky and uh, and Ducks and Ronnie, you 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 stated in that letter the principles of res judicata don't allow us to go back there, really? right? But they owe us significant money, uh, Governor. And it really shouldn't be just about excise taxes. It was about the fact that they were manufacturing petroleum products and the environmental impact for all those years. They owe us something for that, Governor. Oh, gosh, man. It, it's always, you know, it's always there. And you, you push it. I think the delegate is, 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 has been a champion of that. Uh, delegate Plaskett has been a champion of that, too. But... You know, there's so much pressing issues in front of that. Like, we try and get our rum cover for now. I mean, our to make that, You mean to make that permanent at 1325? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and it's been an extremely difficult Congress for her because, you know, we, we, we like the, the flea on the back of the elephant. It's like trying to get the rum extenders included has been so incredibly difficult uh, because of the... What what the last conversations we had? You know, we we spoke. Have you ever? Ha, could you ever imagine that? I mean, to cut you off, that a Congress could be so dysfunctional like this one, is, and and they don't seem to understand that their dysfunction is impacting literally every municipality, city, county, state. Yeah, but the blame is spread among four hundred and thirty-five people. So in the Congress, so they don't feel it as much. But we can't get anything done. COVID. We got so much done in, in D.C. I mean, it was you know why, beautiful. Though? You know why, right? Because the fear of not knowing <laughs> what was behind the wall, yeah, yeah. it forced them to come together and realize we had to do things. But Could, now it's a standoff again. Immigration, taxes, you know, right now, in, in, I could tell you, right? It, it, some of it is ridiculous because right now, you know, the Democrats are holding out on this child tax credit. We, the nation is in 3% unemployment, Okay. We could seed on some of the social stuff. We, like, we don't even have to seed. We just don't have to ask for any more. I mean, when you have 3% unemployment, I mean, there's available work for people, right? Yes. So why, you know, we got to get people the impetus, the drive, the get up and go to go to work. If you keep increasing benefits, then these people are not going to go to work. Now, don't cut them, though. And they're threatening to cut them. Social Security and Medicare can't do that. But they're only doing that because the Democrats want to increase the child tax care credit and want to be able to 
do a cost dispersion like were, they well, did. But we were a big benefit of what the Democrats we did. We did. Because remember, that was $40 million a year <laughs> that you were obligated to pay while you're governor and all that stuff. Governor, remember, remember back in 2011, 2012, you came before the legislature um, because we were struggling with the close of the refinery and we wanted to borrow money. Right. Um, I think it was, uh, and the businesses used to pay what? One and a half percent or something like that? The unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance, insurance right? You're familiar with that. Um, we still owe like 70 million. We owe 70 million. But there was a time when we had tens, 20, 30s of million, million dollars in there. Oh, we had 100 something. 100 million. Way over and, 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 and this is a, a situation where the legislature really undermined ourselves. We raided that fund. Right. And then it, 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 it ended up to Don't the point where. We didn't, raise, we didn't raid the fund. What the legislature did. Not talking about in, in 2001, 2002, senators back then. What they did, they didn't do it because they couldn't do anything with the money. Well, what they did is they allowed the businesses to stop paying unemployment insurance tax. Mm-hmm. It was zero for over a decade. And, it, and what happened is right when it was right to start putting in the tax, the Great Recession hit. So now you, you're in a situation 2007, where 2008, correct. Businesses yeah. are failing. You can't raise unemployment tax because it stops people from getting hired. And at the same time, you know, you, you businesses don't have the money to pay. So And people are drawing on the... the we, I mean, not unemployment back then was $120 million a year. Wow. Yeah. We, I mean, hats were closed. I mean, we... We went through some rough times. This is why when people tell me, talk to me now about fiscal crisis, I was like, you don't even know what a fiscal crisis looks like. Jo- uh, Charles Turmo, when he was governor, after 9-11 and the planes stopped flying, the budget was $550 million. They couldn't get beyond $450 million. That's 20% of your budget mm-hmm. that you got cut. The, I mean, we were so broke. Remember, we, we actually missed the payday for a couple of days. Right, that was uh nineteen. No, that was the, the, that was in two thousand, no, two thousand three. No, thereabouts. No, 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 we, no, we had a delayed payday in delayed. April of of nineteen ninety nine, and then in two thousand two, there was an, another uh, big concern. But keep in mind though, um, when nine one one hit, we actually had uh, a window of benefit because people weren't flying to Europe. Right, and remember, um, it had so much playing over in the Cyrillic Airport, the private jets had to. Park in St. Croix and then go yeah. back for the for the owners, but, which means that you need vision, governor. But 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 Turnbull was a lucky governor too. God rest his soul, because right about then he hit the the EDC tax boom. Yes, and we had we had like one taxpayer was paying 60, 60 million a year. Yeah, that was like over ten yeah. percent of the budget at the time. Yeah, I want to go back to to the gentleman who called in, and go back to the income tax again. Eighty nine people pay 66% of all the income tax in the Virgin Islands. 90 people. 90 pay, people out of 33,000 tax filers. Pay two-thirds. That's what you're saying? They yes. Pay. Wow. So when you say, you know, when I listen to people complain about the roads and the schools. And when you say people, you mean businesses and people. Everybody. Yeah. Constituents, right? Mm-hmm. Understand that... If you add another 3,000 people to that, right? Those 3,000 people, they pay the other like 15%. So 85 thereabouts percent of all our taxes are paid by 3,000 people. The other 30,000 people only pay 10%. So when you, when you ask why is a community the way it is, people say, oh, the government wasting money, the government doing this. The reality is, is that we don't pay enough taxes to maintain 
the community we live in. Well, since you went there, John Woods yesterday joined us um, at the um, OL1 on location one, and he spoke about inflation. And one of the issues that we're seeing on the mainland is greed, where the the, the president touts unemployment down, um, creating jobs left and right, but then when you go to the market, the price ain't change, which means that the corporate folk, they still want to maintain that level of revenue that they've been collecting, even though things are supposed to be going good. How do you balance, right? Letting the private sector, letting the, the, the business sector know, look now, I know that, you know, I don't want you to close businesses, but at the same time, I need for you to have to have a heart. I mean, give me a break. I mean, you know, at what point are we going to stop? Gouging the people of the Virgin Isles. Greed, greed is is is, is significant. But I, I remember, uh, I don't give him credit. Jeff Frasser was my boss at one time in history, mm-hmm. and he said this to me. He said, "You know, when you when you're a businessman and you're doing well, he says everybody wants a raise, but when you have a recession and the the the, the, the stock dops, dips, nobody wants to be cut." And he said, if 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 people were would take the pay cuts with the raises the same way, depending on how the business going, it would be all right. So, going back to unions again, when I obligate the government to a to to a raising anyone's salary, that's not a raise for this year, no. I have to pay that extra every single year going forward. Recurring. Come what may, and that's something I have to think about. Is like we have really done well by the unions. This, I don't remember administration where you could have said we had, the, we had the major contracts negotiated and we actually pay them. Most governors, when they come in after the first four years, tell you, yeah, you know how good things was last year when I was running? Things wrong now. We don't have to cut back. Mr. Flip, Mr. Flippo said we're going year to year and month to month. How do we address that? He, he took shots at the Office of Collective Bargaining. Is that accurate? And how do we fix it if it is? It is, but you have to have unions who are reasonable. I told Jerry, who is, who is the, the head of the union, two years ago, I said, you know, Jerry signed a contract. Let's go. You know, take what you could get now because I budgeted the raises. But now we're getting into a situation where when we pay these workers, we pay them for two and three years from behind. That that's 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 budget years that's already gone. So when you ask, well, well why is the why the government again a cash flow problem? If I cut a PO in twenty twenty one to build uh, a gymnasium, right? That gymnasium will get be, be mm-hmm. we gonna be getting built for that PO through twenty four. Now it was in twenty one budget, the budget year done, but the expense continues. So. When you say you're collecting $900 million in budget, in revenue this year, to pay for the expenses of this year, the expenses from last year are still coming in. The expenses from the year before are still coming in. And you don't know what the revenues are. Exactly. This year. And that's something that John Woods told us yesterday, that when contractors cut in deals, they are also factoring what the price for material might be a year or two or three down the road, depending right. on how long the project is. Quickly, the office closing, what's your take on that? I mean, uh, you know, I, I... I mean, government can't save everything, but just personally as to what the Avis has contributed over the years. I don't want everything to be about government. Sometimes you got to look you know, at I, I, I don't as like, a resident. You're a I resident of the Virgin Islands and live on Synchro. I think it's the clarion call for the island, for the territory, and for specifically for St. Croix, right? 
adapt or die. I mean, I love Rena. The Avis was something that we held, held truly dear to our hearts, but two things. When Island Dairy closed, everybody bowed. I, I used to cuss in my house all the time, like, why you got this boarding milk in my fridge? <laughs> oh, it's cheaper. You know, the Island Dairy milk more expensive. You know, all the people who are complaining on Facebook, when is the last time they buy an Avis? You know, you see the lady who buys so, You know, the daily news that irritate me to the end, right? But we just still support the daily news. Why? Because the people at the Virgin Islands need a newspaper. I have a lot of my seniors and stuff that need But to, they went digital also. Right, and they went digital. So you, the Virgin Islands, especially, especially St. Croix, have to start adapting. You may not like something, but change is not something you can avoid. It'll just run you over. And when you look at the future, this is a way that we're going to go as a people if we don't adapt. When in the 60s and the 70s, when tourism and oil and watches and, and, and all these things came to the Virgin Islands, people came from the Eastern Caribbean and from the States and every place else, and they helped build our economy, right? They saw the opportunity. We're in, that, we're in the 60s and 70s again. The opportunity is there. We could push up our mouth and say we only want to work for the government. We ain't going to do no hot sun walk. I ain't going to solve nobody. But the opportunities are there. So you, so you're I saying, ain't going to college. So you, I ain't so, taking a vocational so, class. So you crystallize into this discussion by saying we're in a cycle and the cycle... This is a cycle repeating itself. Reach back to, to 60s and 70s. I said this before. I said it two years ago. And listen what's going to happen. The same thing will happen. Overcrowding of schools. Uh, facilities that can't support it. The, 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 so we're planning now. When you see us doing stuff, we're planning for what's coming because we know what's coming. Come back before the fear, man. Whatever you do, come back before the I want you next month. I'm asking for now. Go to see you, Governor. Thanks for joining <laughs> us this morning. Let me shake your hand so people can see it. And, uh, uh, great, great discussion. Looking forward to having you back. And make sure you walk with Kevin next time. It's like, <laughs> we'll, second, that's we'll Be good, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.